And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Week 8 Special Edition of Civilized Barking, a Cleveland Browns podcast. Why is it special? Well, the Browns are special. Why is it special? Because it's a Monday night game, so usually we're in a rush to get to these to you at the end of the week ahead of a Sunday 1 o'clocker, but the Browns don't play till Monday, so maybe there'll be a little bonus content. Anyway, I'm Zach Jackson. Um, no Jason today. I will bring on my colleague Paul Daner from Cincinnati, who's covered the Bengals for a long time. We'll break the game down. And then I put out a call on Twitter for some Asking Jackson questions, so I know I got some. I haven't pre-screened those. Um, but we'll get to them. But anyway, we know what's going on with the Browns. They're two and five. Uh, they've lost four straight. You know, this is a huge game to me. The must win game was last week and I know they're not out of it. Uh, we are recording this a couple of hours before the Ravens play a Thursday nighter in Tampa, but I mean, we all watch the same games, which is one of my favorite lines here on this podcast. What have the Browns done to make you think they can save the season? I don't know. Um, is it totally lost? No, because in a lot of ways they got nowhere to go, but up. Uh, and we know what's going to happen on December 4th when the, the quarterback comes back and, and we'll see, you know, how it looks then. But it has not been good. Um, it seems like, and we'll get to this with Paul in just a second, it seems like this week is a, a matchup of two teams trending in different directions. The Bengals had a rough start. They seem to be playing better. Uh, we know about their skill talent on offense. Their defense, uh, which really carried them to the Super Bowl last year, has been phenomenal as well. So, um, at the risk of me rambling even more, we go to Cincinnati now. We bring in Paul Daner. Um, Paul, what pick one? You know, what are the Bengals doing in the last two games, two and a half games, that they weren't doing in the first two or three games? Not ruining every drive on first down. I mean, it was they through the first few games. Well, there was a there was a number of issues contributing to it. But, you know, it, first downs were just turning into just a house of horrors. I mean, they were dead last in the NFL in first down DVOA by a long shot. I mean, it was just negative play after negative play. They were taking too many sacks, negative runs. I mean, their their rushing offense was just a disaster. And what has changed is the last two weeks with a big assist from the uh, fairly putrid Saints and Falcons defenses is They've gone and moved to the shotgun and put the game in Joe Burrow's hands, which I believe was a smart move to always do. Continue to put the game in Joe Burrow's hands. Uh, but, you know, it, they found something in an efficient run game there running out of the shotgun. You know, they kind of had two different offenses where they were running this under center wide zone and they were running the Joe Burrow spread LSU as these two like separate things they were, but they couldn't marry them together. So it was very predictable. So they extracted the under center wide zone and have gone solely shotgun and let it be Burroughs game to decide whether to run the downhill run up the middle and just focus on getting positive yards, which they have uh, or pick apart the defense. And he has picked 
apart the defense like no other the last couple of weeks. He's, they've turned back into last year's Bengals, and it appears to be the fix for how the league decided to approach them. And they've approached a lot of teams with all these, you know, deep cover twos and shells and keep everything in front of you. Well, uh, this has kind of been the secret to unlocking everything because they're no longer behind the sticks over and over again. Not as much of an onus on their offensive line to protect, which is getting better. And it allows them to find time to take shots and teams have gotten aggressive because they've gotten sick of getting picked apart underneath. And then they've hit deep balls just like last year. So it's kind of been cyclical, but that really first down efficiency on first down move to the shotgun has been the difference. Well, Paul, this just came across uh, Jamar chase expected to miss four to six weeks with the hip injury. So this is live yeah. as we react. Um, I know you're going to have to jump on something else. So we'll only keep you a few more minutes, but yeah, obviously this guy is a young stud, a number one receiver. They have other pieces, right? Um, just top of your head. You know, how, how will that affect the offense? Um, you know, with him obviously now being pulled out of the lineup. Uh, I mean, incredibly, you know, so much of what they have started doing has been shifting sh team shading towards Jamar Chase. Um, and so they play off of that. That opens up Boyd. They found ways to open up Higgins off of that. And that has been a big part of, you know, the way they adjust their offense and his ability to, to not just go over the top and the connection he has with Burrow, but to catch underneath. I mean, you look at two touchdowns he had this past weekend. One of them is an incredible connection, uh, a, a go ball down the sideline. Uh, where he hits it and hits him in the only spot you can. And then the other one is the same route, except he stops it because the guy's worried about the deep ball, throws Jamar underneath, and he is reminds everyone he's the freakiest athlete in the building and outruns everybody for his, a touchdown that way. They're just so – it's unstoppable. You, you, they can't be mm -hmm. wrong. They continue to beat people that way. And so when you take that away, extract that primary weapon – now you go down the depth chart. Mike Thomas is not going to be that guy. So they're going to feature T. Higgins, plays for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and they're going to have to find ways to run the ball more effectively. How Can they do it? How can they do it? Um, you know, uh, for the next period of time, for another month plus, we'll, we'll learn. So, you know, obviously you talked about the natural connection that, that those two have, and anybody who's seen the Bengals even a little bit knows that. I think sometimes we – we get too far into the numbers and stuff when we're breaking this stuff down two, three days ahead of the game. I mean, to me, Paul, it comes down to this. For the Browns to have a chance, they got to get to Burrow, right? They have to destroy the Bengals' offensive line. They have to get back there and disrupt it, obviously stopping the run too. You know, How has the offensive line come, um, you know, the, the remade there? How far along are they in their progress? And can they block Miles Garrett on Monday night? Well, they'll use help to do it. We know that. We've seen that before. Um, it'll be a matter of spotting him and where he's at. The line has come together. It's been a big part of things. I mean, that they, the first four weeks, and especially those first two weeks, it was, not, it was not a great time to be putting a group of essentially five new guys together facing Pittsburgh with T.J. Watt at that point sure. and, and their weapons and Dallas. Um, I mean, those two may be the two best pass attacks that they pass rushes that they see all year at least in, in the way that pittsburgh was playing at that point in time and then and they were just a mess they were just a confused mess they didn't know who they were offensively the guys never played together before half of them didn't play in the preseason uh or or, or in training camp so it, they've centered since then i'm really curious to see what they look like against a team like the browns because the falcons and saints don't have as much pass rush umph uh one of the worst pressure percentages in the league here comes, you know, we know what Cleveland and Miles Garrett can do. So I think it'll be a big test for them, but they they are definitely in a, in a much better place than they were. 
So I got to check out a little of Burrow's press conference. Actually, probably much of it, not all of it, uh, right before we jumped on here. And a lot of the talk was he's never beaten the Browns, right? And I think if people are listening to this, they they know that. Um, are we just talking, you know, circumstances and the Browns have been better for a quarter or three and a half quarters on a given day? Or is there really something to it that, that the Browns either match up well or have um, some sort of Joe Burrow tonic? That's a good question. I, you know... I think if you can run on the Bengals, um, you you certainly take their strength. Their secondary is there is a big part of their strength. I mean, those guys have all played together. They have talent everywhere, uh, particularly their safeties, and 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 they're just so cohesive. But when you can run on them, and you know the Bengals being without DJ Reader in this game is a massive deal. You know, to, he's kind of the antidote to teams that try to run on them often. Well, without him and without his backup Josh Tupo, uh, it certainly exposes them there. I think the Brown's ability to do that is what has helped make them a good matchup. Um, you know, Denzel Ward, 99 yard pick sex doesn't hurt. Um, but, you know, I think that's really, I think a part of why they're a bit of a tough matchup is just, they're just so good at that. And that takes away one of the Bengals defense's biggest strengths. And as much as people love to talk about the superstars in the offense, man, are there tons of them. Uh, but the real secret that no one ever talks about Bengals defense carried them to the Super Bowl last year. Oh, That's no the doubt. difference. And that has been the difference in this team for a long time when it has not allowed a touchdown in the second half of the season. That's seven games. It's the longest streak by any team since 2000. They don't allow points in the third quarter pretty much ever. Uh, it's they, they are so good at getting better as the game goes along, and it's been a big part, and getting turnovers. And so it, when you take a little bit of that out of it, I think that's why maybe the Browns are a good matchup. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say it. I can say it in print. I have. I can say it on here. But for someone who sees the Bengals every day, just to reiterate, folks, they have not allowed a second half touchdown. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, and so for Browns fans, Paul, you know where they go when they hear that? Well, the Browns will come out with a sharp script as they usually do. They'll be up 14 nothing, and then it's hold on to your butts time. So it seems to me like a, uh, <laughs> oh, wait, we'll see it. Um, I know you got to get back to the Jamar Chase thing, so I appreciate you doing this, but um, the Bengals for a long time have had good special teams. They, they've been able to keep Darren Simmons in that role for a long, long time. They've, they've had stability at the main spots, and then last year they hit the jackpot with Evan McPherson. Uh, Evan McPherson probably got Cade York drafted in the fourth round here. So how good have the Bengals special teams been? Are they, are they making the plays to flip games that the – the kind the Browns aren't making up this way. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, McPherson has continued to be good. They had the, they had a hiccup in the opener because their long snapper got hurt and they couldn't snap correctly, and that cost them the game. Missed an extra point in a twenty nine yarder, or else they'd be five and two right now. Um, and but outside of that, McPherson has hit. Uh, shoot, I don't have the number off the top of my head. I think ten. 10 straight 50-plus yarders? I have to check that. It's a long streak of 50-plus yarders. McPherson's just – he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. And uh, you know their, their punt game hasn't been as strong. We're seeing the end of the road for Kevin Huber. But, um, yeah, I mean, McPherson has been such a weapon for how they win games and ways they've been able to tack on points, and, and that has not gone away. All right, Paul, um, one last thing. We'll get you out of here. Who's going to win? It starts on Friday. Who's going to win the Ohio uh, Division One state football title? <laughs> Why? Well, I mean, I don't. Do I have any Molar Crusaders stuff behind me? Do I have any of my old? You're, you're only on audio, even if you are. So. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm trying to think if I have any. Yeah, no. I mean, I've I, I have only one team that I could possibly rep at that point, and it was the one that I watched uh, emasculate Elder 
at the at Nippert uh, a couple weeks ago. It was forty two to seven midway through the second quarter. Uh, so they look like on a on a pace to head up with St. Ed's again um, after they played an incredible yeah. game against each other a couple weeks ago. I think St. Ed's Moeller again uh, meet up and and may the best team win. Yeah, we're down to one Paul Brown Stadium in Ohio, and that's where the Maslin Tigers play. So uh, maybe yeah. this is their year too in Division. <laughs> they're only losses to Moeller. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, we're just trying to mix it up here, you know. So anyway, yep. Paul, we'll let you get to work uh, on Jamar Chase. Thank you for the insight, and we will talk again ahead of game two. Appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so uh, that's some real-time real stuff there. I mean, Jamar Chase is a top-five receiver in this league at 22 years old, guys, and he's not going to be there uh, for a long time, but specifically for, for Monday's game, and, and especially if the Browns aren't going to have Denzel Ward. Um, I mean, Chase is, he's just, you, you heard Paul say it. He's, the connection is longstanding. He's so naturally explosive and he can change games. So T. Higgins is still a really good wide receiver. Tyler Boyd coming off a huge game is still a really good wide receiver. Uh, we will see how that goes, but that's a big loss. I would assume the line is going to drop. Um, and, and the other thing Paul mentioned, I mean, this Bengals defense has been so good, not giving up points. I mean, the Browns have given up 70 points in the fourth quarter. The Bengals haven't given up a touchdown in the second half. Um, that is crazy. So we know from watching the Browns that building that 14-point lead has not been enough, specifically against the Chargers. But to get there, they need to get Nick Chubb going. Um, we will see how that goes. The Bengals without DJ Reader is obviously a big loss. But um, the Browns can win this game. And, and I, I – a small part of me thought that before Jamar Chase, really, you know, after taking a month long spring break, the Browns defense came back last week and that was a winning effort. Um, you look at the offense, it was not a perfect effort. It hasn't been, it was a good enough effort there. Um, maybe they got baited into throwing too much, but the guy was 22 out of 27. And, and as I mentioned, like the go ahead points crossed the goal line. Is it a ticky tack call on Amari? Did he do it? Mm, you'd be the judge. 
What really happened on that field goal? I don't know. Now, that field goal was only going to tie the game, and Justin Tucker was going to jog on and make a 61-yarder with his eyes closed, and the Browns were going to lose. But if the Browns get up four in that game and turn it over to their defense, I think they win. So how do they win here? Well, a huge one for Miles Garrett. Will they have Clowney? Maybe. Will he be close to 100%? It doesn't like it. That's been disappointing. And look, you know, and you can't fault the Browns for this. Um, this is a top-heavy defense. They've paid a lot of money to Garrett, to Ward, to Clowney, to John Johnson, right? And that's, they still owe him $10 million, guys. Um, but when they don't have Clowney, it's been tough. And we know they went thin at defensive tackle, and those guys have been just okay. But when you take out Clowney, who just compliments Garrett and frees up Garrett and bashes people against the run, um, now you're into rookies. And I think Alex Wright is showing signs. He's a 21, 22-year-old rookie who was playing at UAB last year. You know, is he ready for 40 snaps in an AFC North war? I don't know. You know, there, I think Isaiah Thomas made a big play. He's he's a rookie. Um, he, You know, is he physically ready for an NFL workload? No, he's not. You know, maybe they were banking on more from Chase Winovich, who's been hurt. I can't imagine that they actually were. Um, but we'll see. Look, there's holes in this Browns defense, and there's holes in this Browns defense pointing to Monday, Jamar Chase or no Chase. There's point. There's holes in this Browns defense pointing to the future, and it's concerning. Um, the whole tent should not have collapsed when Anthony Walker went down. So maybe last week they found something, right? And maybe Denzel Ward does come back. Maybe the extra day helps Clowney give you 30 or 40 snaps at 80%, right? Um, there should be the sense of desperation. Now, JOK is on the Thursday injury report with a knee injury. We don't know how significant that is. Um, the Browns have nobody else at linebacker. I mean, Deion Jones made his debut, but now he goes from 30 or so snaps last week to the green dot with Jacob Phillips being on IR. Um, it's a shame Jacob Phillips got hurt. It's a shame Jacob Phillips couldn't help the defense when he was put in that spot. It's his third year, and um, it was just a negative to have him out there. Super nice kid. Um, super athletic kid. Everybody's rooting for him, but he he did not help this defense, you know. And so you look at Taven Bryan on a one year contract, and Jordan Elliott in his third year, and Tommy Togiai in his second year. Um, there's holes here. So especially without Chase, you would expect more of Mixon. You would expect more quick stuff to T Higgins. You know Tyler Boyd uh, playing in the slot as a number three receiver is one of the absolute best to do it. Is he a little easier to cover? Are the Bengals a little easier to cover with Tyler Boyd as the number two? Well, sure, when you take Chase out, everything changes. Um, Bro's still really good. The Browns will need to pressure him and create turnovers. And in, in that press conference I mentioned, you know, there was a lot of talk about Burrow's own three against the Browns and, and the 99-yard pick six by Denzel Ward last year. You know, it, it got to the point where Burrow was like, I don't want to talk about last year, but the one thing he said is when he was asked why have the Browns beat you, it's they've turned it over. And this year, the Browns have just not caused enough turnovers. And so we talk about Miles having a huge game being the ticket. It has to be that. So to me, it also has to be someone else causing turnovers, jumping in front, jumping in passing lanes, jumping in front of passes, tipping passes. You know, even if Miles gets one strip sack, is that enough? Well, it wasn't for the Browns uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? They didn't score uh, off the strip sack against the Patriots. But, um, Miles will be playing. He should be healthy. We don't know on Clowney. We don't know on Ward. We will see on JOK. On the offensive side, probably not on Wyatt Teller. I think there was holding out some hope with the bye week is next week. David Njoku has a high ankle sprain, so he's on the record of saying he wants to play. He's not going to play. Um, and we've won or one week removed from a high ankle sprain. So what does that do? That's Harrison Bryant becomes your, your tight end one. 
Um, solid player, certainly not a catch to uh, a threat to make many big plays. Probably see Michael Dunn back is is the uh, extra tight end, extra tackle type role that he's had, and maybe you see both backs in the backfield at the same time. So we will see how that goes for the Browns as they look for ways to attack, get a spark, maybe build that 14-0 lead and see how uh, it goes. I'm bringing up the Asking Jackson questions here right now. If you'll give me one minute. That annoying noise you hear in the background is my very poorly behaved dog running around begging for attention because I'm on a podcast. So, wow, 16 questions in a few hours. Here we go. Um, question from Eric. Impossible question, but given the state of the league this year, is there still hope to get this thing righted or is there too much to overcome? I don't think trading guys on expiring deals is waving the white flag either. No, Eric, in the NFL, um, you know, things can happen. Last year in mid-November, when the two teams left Paul Brown Stadium and the Browns had won 41 to 16, which team did you think was trending positively and which team did you think was sunk? Well, it's turned since then. The Browns are 4 and 10 since that game, by the way, guys. Um, as far as the trade deadline and expiring deals, the Browns have always known they have to make a decision on Kareem Hunt. He's he's a free agent at the end of the year. He wants to be here. Uh, but the Browns have a lot of money committed in a lot of different places, and they have a number one running back. They drafted Jerome Ford, um, really, a, you know, a low cost, right? And, and they like what they the little that they've seen of him. They think he'll be healthy in a couple of weeks. But it really comes down to this. Okay, we, the Browns are at their best when they have the two back tandem. We know that, and they use both, and they complement each other well. What's at stake this season? Versus what is Kareem really going to want and how does that fit? And how does that cost you from getting help from this putrid defense? Right. And a coordinator change guys will change things with the defense, but it won't save some of the awful drafting and signing that they've done on the defense. That's it just won't. So I think Kareem Hunt will be at his best with Deshaun Watson, the skill set matches and you let them loose. What the Browns have to judge is what it's going to cost and where they think Kareem is. Can he be healthy? He'll be 28 next year. He's, you know, he's fresh. He's not been used. He's not been within a mile of being overused in the last couple of years. He was hurt last year. He would have come back and played more at the end of the season. Um, if the Browns needed him, the season was sunk. They didn't need him. So that's a complicated one. And the other thing is, what would you get? You know, how badly do you need that fourth round pick you would get for Kareem Hunt? Anybody who thinks they're getting more than that is probably crazy. Now, maybe some team loses a starting running back this week. Or maybe the Eagles or Bills get super desperate and they say, here's something of value for Kareem Hunt, and maybe that pushes the Browns. But I would say unlikely. Um, the other guy, Greedy Williams, you know, on an expiring contract, he's not a starter here. He's not a starter anywhere. He's not ever been a consistent producer. He had the injury to cost him the second year. There's some talent there. Um, there's some potential there. You know, Greedy has the physical dimensions. He there There is good tape of Greedy Williams from times last year, from times early in his rookie year. He just hasn't been on the field with a various amount of things, and, and he's not played super well. So, again, does some team see Greedy Williams, some team that thinks it can win the Super Bowl this year, see Greedy Williams as a number four, potential number three corner and help them win the Super Bowl? Yes. What are they going to give and do the Browns do it? I mean, we'll see. So the Browns have Ward locked up. They have Greg Newsom here for a long time. They, they obviously they have Martin Emerson here for a long time. Who's going to be good. He's getting picked on now. He's a rookie. Um, they like what they see there, but behind him, they have nobody else. They have greedy. 
And they have A.J. Green, who's headed for restricted free agency. And A.J. Play, he showed some stuff last year. He's a nice undrafted success story as far as making the team, playing on special teams. He played some defense last year. He's not really played much this year. So, um, you know, the Browns would have to make a decision there. Um, and does this week, does the result affect it? You know, are you – well, the Browns should be in selling mode. And all along, they signed up for not winning the Super Bowl this year. Um you know, has the, has, should there be more panic and concern with the way the defense is played and the way the roster is constructed? Yes, there should be. You know, does that push you to sell guys to get fifth or sixth round picks? I don't know. You know, the season's probably over as far as making the playoffs. Um, even if they would win this week, maybe it's not. At two and six, it certainly is. So we'll see. As far as anything else, you know, the Browns really only have depth at running back and offensive line. Um, would they like to be better? It receiver, would they like to pick up a safety or a linebacker? Sure. You know, can they realistically do that? Right now, you're not really trading player for player because any team that wants to be active knows it's going to need guys with attrition, with injuries, with, you know, this only being week eight of the season ahead of Tuesday's trade deadline. And you're playing to week 22 if you think you're going to win the Super Bowl, right? So you're mostly talking about getting draft picks. Um, the right deal being out there seems unlikely. But you know, with Kareem Hunt and, and with what trying to get something for him now, if you're not going to re-sign him, leaving that door open, we'll see. Um, as far as how all that affects the locker room, well, this is one of the issues with the locker room, right? Um, this is an underachieving football team. This is the second straight year where we're wondering about chemistry and leadership. Whatever went on in that locker room the other day, um, when it was cleared out, we heard one of the voices yell, there's no fucking leadership here. <laughs> kind of sounded like one of our post-game podcasts, quite frankly. So we'll see. Uh, the Browns are under fire. I don't think anybody's job is at stake. There is a 1%, maybe a 0.1% chance that Kevin Stefanski would ever be fired before Deshaun Watson plays it down. I think the commitment to Deshaun Watson that the Browns made shows that they're in this for the long haul with this group. Obviously, this is an ever-changing league. Things change in a hurry. Um it's been a disappointing season. A lot of the players have been disappointing. And if you don't have any safeties to go with no linebackers and defensive tackles, then somebody's got to answer for that, right? So we will see what changes get brought there. But um, I would be mildly surprised if there's any change to the roster other than minor moves ahead of the trade deadline. And I would be majorly surprised if there's like a significant trade that involves the Browns or if there's any significant change um, in, in any of the key player status you know, between now and then, other than obviously injury, uh, something like that. Let me go back to this, see if we can get a couple more questions from Anthony. Hi, Zach. Been a Browns fan for 76 years. Paul should have run Motley a lot more, but that's an argument for a different day. Anthony's a funny one. A lot of people have been speculating on what round draft picks certain Brown players are worth, but are there players on other teams in the trade market worth pursuing? Again, we just got to that. I think the, like the Browns have shown they're aggressive. The Browns have shown they're willing to make a trade. You know, if they're involved, I think they're sellers, not buyers. And I think anything along those lines is probably more for different parts of the season. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
Um, question from Mark. Do you think we would be in the same place if we had the Baker Mayfield of two years ago? Well, Mark, I mean, that Baker Mayfield played about six good games, right? Like the first half of the season, the coach didn't trust him at all. They opened some things up. I mean, he played well. Um, I don't know. I, 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 some of the stuff like I hear, and I know there's a lot of bad Browns coverage out there um, on your radio dial and in your Twitter, Twitter sphere. But when I hear that scoring a touchdown last week or trying to was actually bad, and when I hear they should play Josh Dobbs, I mean, that's all-time idiocy. Jacoby Brissett's been fine. He's been better than any of us expected. So, I mean, the, the interception against the Chargers is inexcusable, and it's a big reason they lost, even though they had that last chance. But I think what Jacoby Brissett has given this team from Wednesday through Saturday and then, you know, for these games, I, I don't think that you could say – I mean, obviously you're not – you don't have the playbook and the options that you're going to have when you have that upgrade coming a quarterback. But, I mean – to think that Jacoby's giving you anything the more than Baker Mayfield could give. No Baker Mayfield was a very limited quarterback um, who was very high maintenance and Stefanski got the best out of him for a certain number of games. And no, I just, <laughs> I don't see there um, question from Mr. Teflon Don. Why does AB refuse to address the glaring D line issues? That's an interesting one. I mean, what they did in the off season, they signed Taven Bryant, right? They added Perry on Winfrey to that group. They added Chase Winovich who, who's been on IR. They added Isaac Rochelle, who got stiff-armed to the ground by Bailey Zappi, right? They added Isaiah Thomas, who's a nice developmental player. He's a, he's a fourth defensive end. They, you know, they added Alex Wright. All those months, they didn't add another veteran. Um, they, they rolled with what they had. And, you know, should they have known they weren't going to get full clowny? Mm, I don't know. That, that's, that's one of those things that you count on clowny to not only be there, but but to raise the level of, of everybody. Um, and he's not been, so that's frustrating. That, that, that's frustrating. And when you especially add a, a bad defensive line situation to a bad linebacker situation, then you've got a bad defense. And the Browns, despite last week, have a, have a bad defense, and it's a super thin defense. If JOK is hurt, oh, boy, oh, boy, um, really, really bad. Question from Jared, and then we'll get out of here. Of the positions thought to be in a good spot at the start of the year, which has been the most disappointing, and how would the front office go about revamping it with restricted resources? I mean, I would say that's the secondary, right? Um, you know, they had enough depth that they they gave away Troy Hill. They obviously like Martin Emerson and trust him to play. You know, Greedy got hurt, but he's a really good insurance policy. Again, he's not a great player. He He, he can help you. He can play. But the safety play has been god-awful. The missed tackles, the out-of-position. I mean, even if that Jets game was a one-time incident and you you blew that because you blew multiple coverages and led by two touchdowns inside the two-minute warning and the other team had no timeouts. Um, you know, guys, we all – again, we all see the same games, right? Gus Edwards runs right by John Johnson last week. I thought Delpit played much better. It's the defensive holding on Mark Andrews. Maybe that's not a bad penalty there because that's an auto touchdown if he doesn't, but – in general, I think I think it has to be the secondary. You know, Denzel's missed at least two games. Um, Greg Newsom been just okay. You know, Martin Emerson again. I see the promise there. He, he's giving up plays. He's being targeted by opposing offenses with success, and the safety play has been just horrendous. And again, to go back to the last point, when you're not strong up the middle on the AFC North, it's not only a player's problem and a defensive coordinator's problem, but 
what the hell is going on with your roster building when you're not strong up the middle and the defensive line has stunk and the linebackers are really, really bad and the safeties have been horrendous. So anyway, there's a game on Monday night and maybe the Browns can win. No Jamar Chase is a boost. No DJ Reader is a boost. Maybe the Browns will just run the ball and make it 45 times and make you guys happy. Maybe the special teams will show up for once and we'll see. I'm Zach. This has been Civilized Barking and Jason and I will talk to you Tuesday morning after the game.